0: The voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Devo 2015 world champion, Kansas City Royals. I have to say that slow and over enunciated and say it proudly because it's hard to believe as you can hear in my voice. Not a lot of voice left from all the celebrating as your Royals finish up the postseason exactly how they should. They come from behind and get a big-time win, taking the breath away from the opponent, in this case, the New York Mets, and this time on the road, much like we saw in that game four in Houston. 7-2 to two Royals, World Series champions, four games to one, thanks to two runs in the top of the ninth and a five spot in the 12th. And it's Davo couldn't be happier On this edition of Clubhouse Conversation, your dish. And it's hard for me to believe that we're sitting here right now. As world champions, started this website a couple of years ago. And I think we all knew the Royals were a playoff caliber team the last couple, three, four years even you could argue going back. Had guys developed a bit quicker. But did any of us actually ever believe this would happen? I mean, it's one thing to say it to yourself. The Royals can compete for a World Series. And yes, they were in Game 7 and so darn close last year. But then to actually come back this year and do it? Wow. World Series winners. From the first day of spring training, that was the goal. Before spring training, back at FanFest, we heard about it. And you thought to yourself, well, yeah. You know I love the I love it. They should hopefully win the Central and get back to the playoffs. That was my goal coming into the year. We told you that a long time ago, back on the very first dish of the year in our preview. If you go back and listen to it, the goal for me was to win the AL Central and then from there just get in the playoffs and see what happens. And sure, the Royals had a chance at winning the World Series this year. You knew that coming into spring training when you have the kind of bullpen they do, you can catch the ball the way they can, and you were hoping for improved production. In your lineup, what you got, namely from a guy like Kendris Morales and going out and adding a guy like Ben zobras in the middle of the year. Saw some guys have better seasons and bounce back, some of the core and repeat seasons. But to actually do it when you've been talking about it, to make World Series in back-to-back years and then win it four games to one so convincingly is something special. Man. And our player of the game for this final game of the 2015 season has got to be Lorenzo Cain, doesn't it? Although Salvi is the, you know, much-deserved MVP, which I agree with of the World Series, Lorenzo Cain, this particular game, gets the player of the game. Two for three with three RBIs, clearing the bases in the 12th inning for those three RBIs. He had a walk and run as well. The walk was also key. And we'll start there. That was probably the biggest bat of the game to that point, obviously. Matt Harvey comes out. You know the story. Terry Collins probably should have gone to the bullpen. Jerry's familiar. I thought at the time he should have. You know, going through that lineup there again for the fourth time. 103 pitches in eight innings. Thankfully, they left him in. And Lorenzo Cain, the big at-bat, 7-pitch A-B walks. Eric Hosmer ropes the double to left to make it 2-1 to and end the night for Harvey. And then Familia comes in and sets a World Series record, his third-blown save of the series, as Moose moves Hosmer to third on the 3-and-assisted play to Duda. And then, speaking of Duda, the base running play happens. The one we'll be calling it for years around here, the base running play, right? Salvi grounds at 5-3. As an interesting play, as you I mean, you know by now, you know what happened. David Wright gets in the way of shortstop Flores there, which you can't blame him. I mean, it's a split second decision. The infield is drawn in. He goes to his left, fields the ball. As it turns out, Hosmer never would have probably run on that play if the shortstop fields it because of the way he's facing home plate and his body's not quite as shifted. As it turned out, though, Hosmer rolls the dice, and why wouldn't you when you're up 3-1? And knowing the scouting report on Lucas Duda. And by the way, a tip of the cap to the Royals' advanced scouting. How good has it been? We, We heard whispers that the Royals were able to find something in David Price's delivery going back to the Toronto series as far as tipping pitches and knowing when he's coming home when he's not. And some of that I mean, not all of that's from advanced scouting necessarily, but a lot of it is. Then you know, you know, Mike look at the advanced scouting says, Bautista always comes up throwing to second on this certain play. You know, looking for that ahead of time. Sends Kane to score from first base on the single. On and on. You heard about the Royals planning to run all over Travis Darno, which they did in this series. The catcher who hadn't thrown out a guy since September. You knew about the Royals, you know. They, the Royals just knew all around. The shifting was pretty good for the most part. The Mets, and especially Duda, did beat it a couple times in the series. But defense is pretty much where they needed to be. They made adjustments. And the Royals found a way to hit the vaunted Mets starting pitching. So I just want to give a tip of the cap to advanced scouting. And obviously it's not all advanced scouting, but I think that's definitely a part of it and something that maybe isn't recognized as much as it should. But you know, Hosmer scores on the throw from Duda, as you know. And once that game got tied 2-2, it was over. You knew the Royals were going to win, right? The rest was history when it became 2-2. With the bullpen, the Royals have. With the Mets saying, here we go again. With the Royals playing with house money, having all the momentum in the world. Fast forward to the 12th. After some great relief pitching, which we'll detail here in a few minutes, Jonathan Neese comes in. And Salvi starts at your MVP with a single to right. Gerard Dyson comes in and steals second because why wouldn't he? Darnold can't throw anybody out. Alex Gordon gives himself up, grounds out on the 3-2 pitch to move Dyson to third, and then Christian Colon, his first at-bat of the postseason. His first postseason at-bat since the wildcard game last year, when he had the key infield chopper. Colon lines the single on the fifth pitch of the at-bat to left, giving the Royals the lead and ultimately winning run. Paul Orlando. Gets on by another error from Daniel Murphy. Intentional walk to Zobris. And like I said at the top, Lorenzo Kane ropes the double to score three. Seven to two, Royals. And that's the final. Thanks to the bullpen and starting pitching. Now, Royals, before we get to pitching, four for 11 with runners in scoring position. They leave seven in this game. Extra base hits from Hosmer, Eske, and Kane. Pitching-wise, Edison Volquez again brought it. It'll be interesting to see in 2016... The, you know, the increase in velocity, because we saw a clear two to three mile per hour increase from where he normally sat 93, 92, 93, topped out at 94 during the regular season. It was more like sitting at 95, topping at 96, 97. So it was a clear two to two and a half miles an hour up during the postseason for Volquez. And is that something where he's just airing everything he has left in the tank out in the postseason? Has he made an adjustment? Is he going to start pitching more that way? It'll be interesting to see what happens next year for and Volquez with velocity. But I think that's at least part of the reason he was so successful during the postseason. Of course, had great run and tail on his pitches as well. Did, because of that control, you know, struggle with both his control tonight, five walks, but he matches that with five Ks in his six innings and allows just one earned run. Unreal. Got everything you wanted out of Volquez this year and more. I mean, just was awesome all year. And how special was it for him to go out there, and while he didn't get the win in the clinching game of the World Series to start that after being out there and starting the first game as well and then of course the well documented uh, tragedy with his dad so it it was special. Calvin Herrera how about his first three inning stint of the year Strikes out three, allows just one hit, no runs. Hoach, no runs in two innings. Allows just one walk and gets the win. How cool is that to see Chaver get that win after being in this organization for so long? And then Wade Davis, one hit in the 11th, but strikes out the side. World Series champions are your Kansas City Royals. Special, special night. It's going to be a special week. Parades and celebrations and tonight shows and uh, man, I, I, I'm just speechless. I don't even know what to say anymore. I just want to thank you for listening all year to your dish here on Clubhouse Conversation. We will be back throughout the offseason. and we could get into tonight, which we're not going to. But we're gonna we're gonna enjoy this one for a week or two. We could get into predicting the 2016 team and payroll and where certain guys are gonna go. I think it's pretty clear Cueto's gone. I think the Royals sign two of the four between Gordon, Zobrist, Matson, and Young. You could get either Matson or Young back and either Gordon or Zobrist is my guess. I think if I'm a betting man, I'm gonna go Gordon and Chris Young between those four. Quato leaves, obviously. Royals can bring back Franklin Morales if they want, though maybe they decided to bring back Tim Collins for a similar salary. They also have Brian Flynn, another lefty, coming back. But we're not going to talk about next year. We're just going to enjoy this. We will be back periodically as far as your dish goes throughout the offseason. I would imagine maybe a handful of times between now and spring training when a big move breaks. We'll break it down here on your dish when there's news. And also, of course, keep it here on Clubhouse Conversation Weekly. We will have interviews with your favorite former Royals players all winter. Beginning next week, we'll get back into it. We'll speak with Rance Molinix, who played for the Royals in 1980 and 1981 and then went on to... A nice career, 11 years with the Toronto Blue Jays, won a World Championship. Rance joins us first to kick off our offseason, and then we have several other former Royals lined up. So we'll have one former Royal interview per week all winter, and we'll get back, of course, next year with current dishes once the season starts and current Royal interviews weekly as well. But yeah, former interviews all year round here on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you'll keep checking out the site. Go back through the archives. Maybe you missed some interviews I did Uh, The last couple of years with former players or even current players, a lot of guys currently in the organization and pretty in-depth interviews that are still timely because most of them aren't necessarily about, well, tell us about last night. Most of them are about learning about the player, what he likes off the field, where he came from what he features, what he's working on. So they're still very, very uh, viable interviews, even if they are a bit old. So go back if you would and enjoy the archives this off season, and make sure you check back for current stuff as well. But also enjoy this one. What a ride it's been. And I appreciate you listening here on Clubhouse Conversation. Year two is now in the books. Hard to believe two full seasons of Clubhouse Convo and your dish. Be back at it, though. Like I said, dish-wise throughout the offseason and the next year and lots of interviews. So keep it here. Follow us on Twitter and we'll talk to you again soon on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals. What a night.